Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. Did you hear about the mother whose children said, asked her what it was like, motherhood? And so two in the morning, she woke her children up and said, I lost my sock. (laughs) They asked what it's like, motherhood. You know, today we celebrate mothers, and if you're a mother here, if you're listening to me online, and you're a mother, you play the role of a mother in any fashion or form. You know, there are single people who have to play the role of mother and father sometimes. God bless you on this special day. But in reality, are we not supposed to honor mothers every day? Think about it. The third commandment, honor your father and your mother so it will go well with you. Hmm. There is a commandment with a blessing, a promise. It will go well with you. And that wellness is kind of like love life and have good days. Honor your mother. Yeah, I want you to know this. My mother's in heaven. Okay. She was a God-fearing mother when she lived on earth. And my mother, Joanne, God-fearing woman that she was, was a piece, a little piece of paradise on earth for me. Hmm. I want you to think of a little piece of paradise on earth for you. What would that paradise be? Would it be a white sandy beach with blue turquoise waves from the ocean coming in? Or maybe a lush green meadow with a freshwater stream flowing through it? For some of you, it might be a white capped mountain with fresh powder in the valley to ski. Maybe paradise or a piece of it wouldn't even be Landscape. Maybe it would be being debt free, <laughs> uh, an empty nest. I heard somebody say it like this paradise would be no interference from in laws. <laughs> well, mothers and fathers and in laws. Yeah, that little piece. A paradise. Now I want you to think about Adam and Eve. What they had, a beautiful garden. The most beautiful garden ever seen on earth. No in-laws to contend with. It was a perfect little place. All the food they wanted. Think about it. Adam never heard this from his wife. You know, I should have married (laughs) so-and-so. Eve never heard this from Adam. Why aren't you more like your mother? (laughs) Ah, Yeah, they had what we would call a perfect household, right? They had paradise, but it didn't last long, did it? You know the rest of the story. They sinned. It is 
Satan that came into this paradise, this garden, and tempted Adam and Eve to not listen to God, okay, not follow suit on what God commanded. And literally, Adam and Eve, pun intended, bit on that temptation, and they sinned. And they lost paradise because one of the consequences of that was they were thrown out of the Garden of Eden. Now imagine with me 10 years later, Adam is out with Cain and Abel hunting. And they happen to come by by the Tigris River and Euphrates, this beautiful garden. (laughs) And Adam says to Cain and Abel, says, now, boys, okay, Uh, I want you to know, over there in that garden, that's where your mother ate us out of house and home. (laughs) And you know, some of you laughed. I even heard somebody moan. Hmm. Now, that's not what he should have said. Now, if he was still playing the blame game, that's what he'd say. But that's, Not where God wanted him to be. God wanted him to be realistic and to be humbled. And what he should have said to Cain and Abel is, now that's where your mother and I ate ourselves out of house and home. Yeah. Well, today we're going to take a closer look at a household. The first man and woman, the first marriage, the first household at one time was perfect. Hmm. But that didn't last very long. Come along with me as together we take a little closer look at what God records about the first household. Back to chapter 2, verse 18. Please follow along. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Okay. Men, I hope I can get an amen from you. Okay. It's not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper. Ladies, (laughs) if you know that men need help, I want to hear an amen from you. (laughs) Wow. Did you see how strong that was, men? Whew. I will make him a helper. Now, this is where it gets real interesting. Fit for him. Now, the Hebrew word for helper is azer. Say that with me. Azer. Okay? That means helper. But it's the next word in Hebrew that is the most important word, negib. Now, Negib means, most of the time in the Hebrew language, a suitable, someone fit. Now, the second most time this word is used, do you know what it means? Opposite. Now, let me explain what God is saying. I will make a azer, a helper, opposite that is fit for him. Have you ever heard this? Opposites attract. Yeah. What Adam did not have, Eve would have for him. What Eve was lacking, Adam provided. Like pieces of the puzzle where that piece form has to be the opposite to fit. Hmm. 
Even the plumbing was opposite. Now, this is God's way of saying, this is my plan for man and to woman. A helper fit for him. Now, notice what happens. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. He gave man the honor of calling the names of all the animals and creatures. And whatever the man called every creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, okay, there was not found a helper. Azer, that gib suitable, opposite, fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, one of the ribs, excuse me, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. The first surgery was done. Now, this is a fact that's very interesting. There's only one bone in your body that if it's removed, we re will regenerate itself. It'll make another bone. Guess what that is? The rib bone. Now, that's not by coincidence, folks. That's God saying, see my hand in everything. Wow. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Wow. Then the man said, now I want you to notice the next verses. They are tabbed. They're indented from the regular block scripture. This is a way that God, and you have to look at your Bible for this one, okay? It won't be that way up in the screen. This is the way of this Bible version saying something changes here. This is a way saying this is poetry. The first poetry found, written, is in the Bible. And in fact, imagine somebody explaining orally, okay, the first, for the first 2,500 years of the world, Scripture was presented orally. This is how, this is how it would be read. Uh, an example would be Mary the Magnificat. This is what it says. And Mary said, and it's all indented and tabbed. And that's poetry. And you know that all songs started out, most songs, by, as poetry. To make an emphasis in the oral tradition and in the reading of Scripture, this is how it should be read. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. It would have been sung to emphasize this is so important. Wow. So, man, guess what? The first one to speak poetry and sing to her, his wife, was Adam. Mm, don't forget that. All right, now we have the first wedding. You want to talk about a perfect wedding? Huh. How about the venue? The Garden of Eden, the most beautiful place on earth? How about the price? Free. How about the meal? All the food the Garden of Eden provided. How about the officiant? 
God himself. How about premarital counseling? You're going to love this. 13 words. Do not eat of the knowledge from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> wow. And then the sermon. You want to talk about the shortest wedding sermon ever proclaimed? <laughs> yeah, right here. Listen to those words. There's the sermon. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So there are no longer two, Jesus said, but one. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. <laughs> you want to talk about a perfect marriage? You want to talk about a perfect household? Here it is. They were naked and not even ashamed. There was no sin in the world. There was no thistles. There was no pain. There was no death. That was paradise. But we know it was short-lived because they sinned. And that sin has gone from every human being to us here today. Do you think for one minute that if Adam and Eve knew that their firstborn would kill their secondborn, Cain would kill Abel, they would have even had children? Yes, they would have. Because they knew their sin would go to generation after generation. They knew God's plan, and God's plan was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And God had a plan for them. He did not change. He was exactly the same before they sinned. Who had changed was Adam and Eve. They no longer were perfect. They now were sinners. They were one in flesh, but they were one in sin and in death. And because they were now one in this, they needed help. They needed Azer, a help Negib opposite of them, which would be fit for them. If you've ever heard the name Eliezer, the psalmist always says this, where does my help come from? Azer, my help comes from the Lord. Eliezer. Yeah. See, they were human. They needed the opposite, you might say, divine help. They were sinners. They needed divine sinlessness. They were judged because of their sin. They needed Divine justification, the pronouncement, you are sinless and perfect. They were weak. They needed divine strength. And so what happens? God made sure that there wasn't a wall that he couldn't kick down. There wasn't a mountain that he wouldn't go over. There wasn't a shadow that he wouldn't light up to get to them. He drew near to Adam and Eve. And they drew near to him. They eventually ran to the father. Okay, after the blame 
came. They came to their senses. They came to themselves and they were humbled and Jesus forgave them. Yeah. And he made a promise that someday down the road, the Messiah would come and he'd take care of sin, death, and the power of the devil for them because they couldn't. That is Eliezer Negib. That is the help we all need. And he stayed with them. You know, in the Genesis, it is God who comes searching for them when they hid in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, we go from the first to the last. It is Jesus knocking on the door. And he says, I stand at your door. Okay, if you open it, I'll come in, come in and eat with you. That is our God who searches for us even while we are sinners. Now, in this story, this household, it was Adam and Eve that walked with God before their sin and after their sin in the cool of the day. You know how we walk with our God today in the cool of the day? It's when you get up in the cool of the day and you remember him. You thank him for life. You read his words. You sing his songs that praise him. Before a meal, you acknowledge who's the giver of every good gift. Maybe read a devotion. And when a man and a woman does that together as one, wherever two are gathered, God makes a promise there, amen, I. But if you're single and you're not married, that's okay. God says this, I'm with you always to the end of the age, the day he baptized you, a promise he made to every one of us. We can walk with him. In the cool of the day, every day. But God yet gave him another gift. You know what the first wedding present was? The first gift ever given to a married couple. The day of rest. They were married on the sixth day and God says, by the seventh day, you're going to need some rest. <laughs> and I'm going to give it to you. And not only am I going to give you the day of rest, I'm going to bless it and make it holy for you. To make your days great. To make life worth living. Now you know why Sunday morning is so important. It's part of the third commandment. Remember this Sabbath day and keep it holy. What is a household that is perfect in the eyes of God, that measures up. It's a household that remembers the Sabbath day and keeps it holy. It's a household that walks in the cool of the day with God. Because it's in church you hear about grace. It's in church you hear about a God who loves you and forgives you. It's also in the Bible, in word and sacrament ministry. We are blessed. We are so blessed. You see, the opposite of sin is forgiveness. The opposite of evil is good. The opposite of vengeance is to bless someone. And the way we can bless someone is by looking at that perfectness of our God who forgives us and measuring up to that. Let me put it in a way you might understand. There was a teacher who raised her hand and said, can any of you children tell me God's advice to married couples? Well, that'd be pretty good. And little Johnny in the back, yeah. 
Johnny always had an answer, and it was not always the right answer. So the teacher hesitated a bit, but finally nobody raised their hand, and little Johnny raised his hand. All right, Johnny, can you tell us God's advice to married couples? And he stands up and he goes, yeah, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. <laughs> Ooh, how true is that, huh? Along that line. God's advice to households, to families. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Man's greatest need is forgiveness. God's greatest accomplishment is forgiveness. And he calls upon us who have been forgiven, who have experienced that grace and the blessing, and who know our God, who have received his righteousness and his justification. He says, now go. You must forgive others. Think about it. If the Bible says you break one commandment, you break them all. If the Bible says that you can break a commandment physically and mentally, that means if you've ever hated anybody, you're guilty of murder. If you've ever lusted after anyone, you're guilty of adultery. And God has forgiven us those sins. How much more should we realize we must forgive those who have sinned against us? You know, I said a little piece of paradise my, my mother brought to me. I'm going to read to you about a little piece of paradise that Peter speaks about. You know, a little piece of paradise here on earth would be to really love life. Don't you Have you ever just loved life? Huh? Do you enjoy good days? Yeah. Well, let me tell you instructions that Peter gives us. I'm going to read. You just listen. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind and sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, the opposite. Bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Now listen to this. For whoever desires to love life, if you're here this morning and you desire to love life, get the most out of life. Tell you that's where I am. And to see good days. <laughs> you want to see some good days? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Thus says the Lord. You see, when you bless others with the grace that has been showered upon you, forgiveness. 
It is our Heavenly Father that looks down upon the household and says, you measure up. You're perfect in my eyes. Amen.